Coach Zim himself you know, stood out to me. You know, just his his reputation speaks for itself. I'm excited to be here, and I'm excited to get rolling. Michael Pierce, I'm super excited to get to play beside him. I talked to him earlier. Super excited to get back in the building with those guys so we all get to work, learn each other's chemistry, and just build from there to uh, get more effective in the pass rush as well as the run game. Hello, what is going on, Vikings fans? It's episode number 85 of the Minnesota Vikings podcast. I am joined by Vikings.com's Gabe Henderson, as well as producer Jay Nelson, and we will be joined by Vikings.com team reporter Eric Smith later on in the show. He has an NFC North team reporter roundtable this week. He's talking to all the team reporters from all three other teams in the divisions, rivals on the field, rivals as reporters. They have all the up-to-date information on all of the free agency moves made by every team in the division. Looking at what has been going on in this division, Gabe, it is unbelievable the amount of quarterbacks that have left the division and the talent that has left the NFC North. Yeah, I mean, speaking of Kenny Galladay in in particular, he's probably the the latest big news uh, coming out of the division. Uh, Wide receiver signed a four-year, $72 million contract with the New York Giants, and um, we'll probably talk a little bit more with Eric about it, but you know, when, when you see a guy like Matt Stafford leave, um, you know change is on the horizon. So it, it made sense that they got rid of, well, they didn't re-sign Kenny Galladay, um, but that is just one of many moves that, that have been made. I mean, this is, I mean, I've been covering the NFL for the past four years, and this is by far the wildest free agency I, I've been a part of as far as like moves and you know, one-year deals and people getting fran- or people getting franchise tag, not getting franchise tag. It's been unique, man, but it's been exciting to, to be a part of, and I know there's going to be uh, more excitement head, uh, going forward. I am personally thrilled that quarterback Matthew Stafford has finally left the division after his career starting with the Detroit Lions for so long ago. I mean, he's been haunting us uh, in games that they have no business winning, games <laughs> that you think are layups. Uh, he just comes and pulls a performance out of nowhere. Uh, I know that's happened a few times in my time here with the Vikings starting in 2015. So I am personally thrilled Kenny Galladay is leaving the division, but also the fact that Matthew Stafford is leaving the division. I I don't know how I feel about Mitch Trubisky signing with the Buffalo Bills yet. That is one that I I flip-flop back and forth, Gabe, because he's had some games on Monday Night Football where he just finds a way to beat the Vikings. But also, Jay, I, I just... I think he kind of had them them just staying. I don't know. They weren't they weren't improving with him at quarterback. I think the way that you're waffling right now shows exactly why Chicago didn't Bring resign him, back. him yeah. because it, well, I'm just saying because there was such a such a a roller coaster ride with him. I think the hardest part for him was going into a place like Chicago that was you know say what you want had come off of a, a Jay Cutler led team where you kind of knew what you were going to get. You were going to get some feast and famine out of, out of that guy. But when Mitch got drafted as high as he did, the expectations in Chicago were, we have a great defense. This guy is, you know, I think it was the top two or top three pick at that point. Um, and he just came in with all the expectations on the world. And I think the thing that that's been so hard has been the guys behind him that got drafted um, close to where the bears originally were, have just gone bananas and are now in the, the face of the, the league itself. So, I mean, so many things in Chicago were, were disappointing in the way that things 
ha- uh, happened there with Mitch. And I think it's a good parting for both of them just to get a fresh start. But for Chicago, it means they have to basically hit the reset button again and, and everything that's old is new again and that they went and picked up Andy Dalton. So I think Chicago's got uh, got some questions that they definitely have to answer on offense. And we'll see if the defense can hold it together long enough for them to figure out their identity. We'll definitely stay tuned for later in the show because all things are covered from all three teams, including the Packers, who re-signed Aaron Jones to an extension, but they also lost their center. Corey Lindsley, uh, who signed with the Los Angeles Chargers. So all three reporters join Eric as well as Eric joining the show to talk about his conversation. So that will be really interesting later on. Also, Jay has a higher and lower game, which he has told us literally nothing about. He hasn't told us the questions that he's prepared. He also hasn't told us anything about that show. So stay tuned for that. Um, that that'll be a segment later on in the show. I'm, I'm really looking forward to that one, Jay. I'm just trying to melt your brains a little bit here <laughs> in a free agency period. As if as if it couldn't already be that way with how crazy it's been thus far. That's for sure. I mean, this has definitely been one of the craziest free agencies that I can remember to date. All of the NFL teams having to work under this $180 million cap, which they expected to be much higher um, heading into this offseason. It's really been unbelievable to see the amount of players released, the amount of players that are switching teams, the talent that's left the NFC North, which we are thrilled about, and all the things that are happening at the quarterback position. But now let's get into the show, and we start with a great roster move to report. It's not one of the Patrick Peterson or Dalvin Tomlinson acquisition uh, level, to say the least, but the Vikings have announced on Wednesday that they will bring back running back Amir Abdullah. Uh, He's a player that does a lot for this organization. Gabe, I know on, off the field, special teams at the running back position. And obviously when when you lose a player like Mike Boone to the Denver Broncos, it's always good to have an Amir Abdullah for depth in the backfield. I think not only does is this move great for the running back room, but like you said, for the special teams unit. I mean, he's pretty much on every single special teams force other than um, field goal block. And for for a guy like Amir Abdullah, a guy who scored two touchdowns last year, and both of those touchdowns came against his former team against the Detroit Lions, uh, you, you got to think he's going to uh, pick up all, piggyback up off of that last year and try to have a bigger uh, year when it comes to trying to make plays when the ball is in his hand. I, I, I really. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of this move. This is I think Amir Abdullah is an invaluable piece uh, to this Vikings roster. It doesn't show up in the stat sheet, um, but the plays that he makes on special teams and when his number is called, uh, you, you can't overlook a guy like that. And hats off to, to Rick Spillman and those guys bringing him back. Yeah, he's a savvy veteran at this point. He had three years in, in Detroit, and then he came over to us in 2018. And since then, like you said, on the field, he he's – he's reliable for the most part. You don't have to worry about if you give him the ball, there's going to be a lot of mistakes or mental mistakes, especially Um, he's definitely got the talent to be out there. And and for a running back like Dalvin, who is more of your quick shifty type, Amir has some of that to him as well. So like you said, it doesn't feel like there's a lot of drop off there when he comes in. It's a similar style. And and the fact that he's been around now in the league for uh, six years going on seven, it just means that he, at this point, understands. And not only does he have the trust of the players, but he's got the trust of the coaches and the front office, which is why they keep bringing him back. So I like the I like the move. I think it's great to have him back here, some more continuity in that running backfield. Um, I'll be curious to see if they go ahead and try to replace Mike Boone. 
uh, coming up here in the draft or if there's going to be some some other kind of free agent move that's going to be made as well. But they always like having a, a platoon of guys in the backfield there. And I think having Amir in this backfield is going to be great again. So I look forward to having him back in the locker room. Um, it'll be great to, to see what he has to say when he gets a chance to speak. And um, he's just one of my favorite guys to have in there that you feel like you can trust. Not too much more to report this week for the Vikings acquisitions. I know there are a ton of players that have signed with other teams that were unrestricted or restricted free agents for the Vikings. Uh, I touched on running back Mike Boone. He signed with the Denver Broncos. That's George Payton, the Vikings' former assistant um, uh, personnel manager for the team. He's now the general manager for the Denver Broncos. He stole Mike Boone away from this roster. And so there are players that are departing, um, as every team has seen with what is going on with the salary cap this year. So um, what we have decided to do to open up this show is throw to a few sound bites from all of the press conferences that happened in the past few weeks. Patrick Peterson, Dalvin Tomlinson, Stephen Weatherly. There's just so many players that have joined this roster that had really exciting press conferences. So first, we're going to start off with the biggest name and acquisition for the Vikings. It's Patrick Peterson. Let's take a listen to what he had to say when he was introduced as a member of the Minnesota Vikings. Um, you know, just looking at a couple teams, um, you know, I thought, you know, Coach Zim just, Coach Zim himself, you know, stood out to me. You know, just his, his reputation speaks for itself. The things that he's able to do with the defense, uh, not only with the defense, but with defensive backs. You know, speaking of Deion Sanders, Leon Hall, Jonathan Newman, uh, not Jonathan Newman, uh, uh, Tanz Newman, Jonathan Joseph, the list goes on, and he's he's able to you know help further those guys' career. And if you look at all of those guys' career, those guys played you know 13, 14 plus years. So Coach Zim definitely have uh, something something that uh, he's giving those guys to not only help you know prepare their career into into new heights, but also you know help their career be a, a longevity career as well. So um, I just thought. You know the the culture around here, the the atmosphere around here, um, was everything for me. I, I believe it, 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 it definitely checked off all the boxes. I'm excited to be here, and I'm excited to get rolling. I'm glad you picked that bite, Jay, because that really stands out to me. Knowing the type of player that a Terrence Newman was later in his in his career, and just Coach Zimmer having. All of these guys to turn to, a Deion Sanders, who's one of the biggest voices in the NFL media, being able to comment and say, "Yeah, you probably want to go and play with Coach Zimmer <laughs> at this point in your career." It raises it raised my eyebrow, Gabe, because I mean he's on a one year contract with the team, yeah. and from what I've heard from General Manager Rick Spielman, it was Patrick Peterson who wanted to come to this organization, who made sure to tell Rick Spielman, his agent told Rick Spielman, find a way to get this guy on your roster. And now it sounds like he wants to be there for longer than just one year. Patrick Peterson said his initial goal when coming to the NFL was to play 16 seasons. And he's going into year 11, and he wants to play for the Minnesota Vikings. Um, that, that says a lot, first and foremost, about Coach Zimmer and you know his tutelage and you know, his resume and the things that he's been able to do with his, you know, in his coaching career. Uh, so Patrick Peterson to come here and – uh, make plays. I, I think that's an expectation. I mean, he already said Minnesota Vikings fans are getting the Pro Bowl, the All Pro 
uh, Patrick Peterson this year and beyond. So it's, it's saying a lot right there that we are getting a gym. Uh, we, I don't think you hear stories like this every day when the player reaches out to the organization. Um, so in that case, I think Vikings fans should be excited. And more importantly, this defensive back unit should be excited to have a guy like Pat Peterson uh, want to come in and make plays and be able to coach those young guys also. Yeah, that's amazing. It, it's always fun when you have a little gem like that fall in your lap. And I think that the the one thing that he cited there especially was just the reputation. So if he's coming from a system where there's been a little bit more of, you know, out on an island playing man coverage and you're coming to a scheme that's a little bit more cover two, where, you know, maybe it's something he's seen older players, especially guys like your Dion's and your Terrence Newman's come into this league, play in this system, have a lot of success and feel like you can extend your career playing on a defense that you feel like is reloading. I think that is a win-win-win across the board. It's a win for the front office. It's a win for Pat Peterson. And it's a win for the fans being able to have somebody like that come in on this roster and be able to watch him every Sunday. So for me, I think it's a great move, and it's just awesome that that he's willing to do this. And I hope it is more than just a one-year uh, contract. I hope they are able to find a way to extend him if he has a great season coming up. I think more than anything, you're getting a motivated Patrick Peterson, and that is a dangerous, dangerous thing to have. And I think it's awesome that he's playing on our roster. When he references Terrence Newman, who they literally couldn't kick out of the building and had to make (laughs) him a coach for an extra year for him to stay around in the organization, I think it's safe to say, Gabe, that that Patrick wants to stay around and he wants to be here longer than that one-year deal. I know you had the chance to literally speak with him and get literally be the only person to get a one-on-one interview with him in his day at the at the TCO Performance Center, what like what was his takeaways from seeing the TCO Performance Center, walking in the field house, seeing the VEN studios? I know he was pretty impressed by what he was able to see. Yeah, he, he I mean, he kept saying the Vikings do it right. They they put their their money where their mouth is. Um, they say they they want to be the best. They put the resources there. The recovery is there. The the acupuncture, the massage, the weight room, everything you need from an organization. The Vikings do the best with what they can do, and Patrick Peterson saw that. I mean, he had a lot of respect for the Arizona Cardinals organization, but at the same time, you can tell he he was a bit excited when he walked on, uh, walked here in Egan to inside the TCO Performance Center, and just being able to talk to him and, and just see his vibe, his energy, and you know his eyes light up when he's walking into certain rooms or certain buildings. Um, that that says a lot about the organization that you can still wow. Uh, an 11-year future Hall of Famer veteran. Um, so it was a great, a great opportunity talking to him. But you, you can just tell, like he, he's ready to get going. Um, he loves interviews. Like he, I mean, he likes talking. But at the same time, like this is, like man, he kept saying, like I'm ready to put the pads on. Like I'm, I'm ready to start playing. And that, that's the mindset that you want if you're a head coach or if you're a general manager or if you're the team owner. I know he has his like his own podcast where he talks and and he's able to to interview players around the league. But man, that guy is well spoken. He's intelligent, and obviously he's been able to do it on the field. Uh, Eight time All Pro. That that just speaks for itself. So let's go from one free agent acquisition to another. This one is Dalvin Tomlinson, the Vikings' new defensive tackle. Uh, I'm super excited to play next to those guys. Uh... Michael Pierce actually went to school, high school, with some of my ex-Alabama teammates and stuff like that. So I'm super excited to get to play beside him. I talked to him earlier, and uh, we're both just excited to play with next to each other. There's going to be some good energy up front. And, um, yeah, they, like, I'm just super excited to get back in the building with those guys so we can all get to work, learn each other's chemistry, and just build from there to uh, get more effective in the pass rush as well as the run game. 
Love to hear that from Dalvin Tomlinson. I know I personally put together a Vikings defensive depth chart this weekend because I just can't believe the amount of additions that will be made to this Vikings defense just a week into free agency. You know Michael Pierce, who didn't play all of last season. He's added in the middle of this defense. Dalvin Tomlinson is added. Steven Weatherly, who we'll hear from in a little bit, he's added as a defensive end. And I'm considering all the players who were injured last year as additions to this defense because I haven't seen Daniil Hunter, number 99, rush a quarterback in a very long time. I can't wait for him to be back, Jay. And I can't wait for Anthony Barr to be back at that linebacker position. It's literally like you're getting five players who you just didn't have last year back on this roster. Yeah, that's the thing. You know, we all saw the way it started and the way it ended last year and and having those two big time injuries at the front end with Anthony Barr and Daniil Hunter getting injured when and where they did. That was a killer. And, you know, we were holding on by a thread. We had Eric Kendricks basically carrying the load, especially in the middle. Um, And then when he went out, we saw for those last basically the last month how big of a struggle it was just to try to, you know, finish above 500, which we weren't able to do. So there's a reason why they've been going through and trying to pluck some of these different specific positions out of free agency, their needs for this roster. But they're also some of these are, are areas that the scuttlebutt coming out of the draft is that some of these are a little bit thinner than previous years. Last year, there was so much defensive line play that was picked up in the draft. This upcoming year, it sounds like it's going to shift a little bit more to offensive line. Um, so being able to to pull a Dalvin Tomlinson and then, as we all know, try to get back to Neil Hunter here and just to see how that all plays out. But to have basically a revamped defensive line where there was so much consternation last season of the amount of push that uh, offensive lines were getting against the defense, not only does this potentially help your defensive line, it also helps your secondary and your linebacking crew. So if we can get all of these players back, plus with some of these additions, I think you're going to see a drastically different Minnesota Vikings defensive play, uh, at least execution versus what we saw last year. And like you said, Cor, so I'm excited too, because I just want to see how long it takes for these guys to gel and, and just how well they can work together, given a bunch of the talent that they've brought in for this season. I mentioned five players. I know Eric Kendricks played 11 games. He also missed the last month of the season. So you're returning him at the middle linebacker position. And Mike Hughes, one of the veteran cornerbacks on the roster, also missed just about the entire season with a neck injury. He's had injuries uh, throughout his entire career with the Vikings. We'll see what he's able to offer um, at that position right behind Patrick Peterson. Moving on, we will listen to a quote from Vikings' new defensive end, Stephen Weatherly, who returns to the organization after one year with the Carolina Panthers. Now that you're back, um, Coach Patterson and Adam Zimmer are co-defensive coordinators, which is a little different than when you were here last. Just what are you looking forward to working under those two guys as coordinators? Uh, Just to see how they put their spin on it. Um, uh, I already know how the overall defense works, um, but to see how uh, each one of those two coaches put their own little flair on uh, how we play like blitzes or anything like that. I'm really looking forward to that because when I was here, uh, Dre had some really good uh, ways to to pull out the defensive ends and uh, help out everyone on defense. So uh, super excited to see how that's gonna look and how that plays out. Well, that was Vikings.com's Lindsey Young with the very insightful question Jay, I think that that was a really good question because things have changed since since Stephen left. I mean, obviously, 
Andre Patterson and Adam Zimmer are now at the defensive coordinator position rather than a George Edwards. Definitely a different defense, to say the least. And there's a ton of different players around Weatherly. So Weatherly comes back after spending a few years in the organization, and we've talked about numerous times what he brings to the locker room, the relationships that he has in the building, and I think that's only going to benefit a lot of the young players on this roster, especially a DJ Wanham, who I believe he might be splitting some snaps with at that position. Yeah, one of the things that he cited, a lot of people said, you know, what did you learn while you were gone in Carolina for that season? And he, he cited basically almost a, a growth and maturity. He he talked about how he got his contract there in Carolina and he felt kind of happy about his contract and getting the money and, and he kind of got a little complacent. And he said, you know, after the way it ended last season and, and being able to be as, as, as open as he was, he realized that he needs that hunger in order to really stay on, on the ball in order to perform. And one of the things that he really talked about was just being a leader doesn't necessarily mean, you know, getting a contract or being anointed a, a captain or a starter. What it really means is, is being able to figure out where do you fit in that puzzle? How do you speak out when need, when you need to, just given that you understand the situation and um, finding those situations where every single person on this team can be a leader when called upon, you just have to find where your fit is. And, and it, was really refreshing. We know he's a super smart guy. He's got all these different passions and ideas and things that he, that he he's loves, but to hear him talk about football in a way that that he realized, you know, maybe I was taking a little bit of this for granted and that's not the way it's going to be anymore. It's time to step up and and really kick it in. I think it's great to see him back on this on this team because it just feels like he's coming back more mature, more motivated. And uh, if he is splitting time here with a guy like a DJ Wanham, then he can also help. Like we were looking at Patrick Peterson, potentially helping coach some of these younger guys playing these positions on D line. And uh, I just think he's going to be a great asset to have back here on this roster again. Yeah, I absolutely agree, Jay. I love what he brings on the field. I love what he brings off the field. And I really love what he brings as a player who doesn't have to play every down, doesn't have to be a starter. Uh, he's more of a supplemental type player who you, who you can really play on his strengths in certain situations, whether it's dropping back in coverage, which we've seen him be able to do as that sort of hybrid defensive end and pass rusher, but also make athletic plays in the backfield on the running backs and on the quarterbacks. Very, very happy that Stephen Weatherly is back with the Minnesota Vikings. With that, we will go to our segment and bring in Vikings.com's Eric Smith, who has a special NFC North roundtable. It was a fun little chat that he had this week. He set up an NFC North roundtable with all the team reporters across the division. I believe it's Tori Petri from the Detroit Lions, Larry Mayer, longtime writer for the Chicago Bears, and Wes Hodkowitz, who works for the Green Bay Packers, the big-time rival in Wisconsin. So with that, I bring in Eric Smith from Vikings.com. What's going on, man? Hey, Corso, good to see you, and uh, thanks to all you guys for having me on today. So a really good idea you had for uh, bringing all the NFC North reporters together, getting some information on what has gone on throughout free agency. Obviously, all the moves that the Vikings have made, we've been covering every single week on this podcast, but I want to throw this to you with my first question. What is the biggest thing you learned from talking to all three reporters? Yeah, I think the big move has to be the trade that the Lions made. For Jared Goff, they obviously shipped Matt Stafford away, and they got Goff and then a couple first-round picks back in return. 
to me, that's a that's a franchise altering trade for the Lions. And kind of as Tori said in our roundtable, it's a new era for the Lions. I mean, he's been the face of the franchise. So for them to kind of move in a different direction and bring in Jared Goff, it just signals a whole change. And that obviously starts at the top. They have a new general manager in Brad Holmes and a new head coach in Dan Campbell. So I really enjoyed asking Tori about that. You know, we knew that was the trade was going to go down, you know, um, over a month ago, but had to wait, obviously, till it was official by the NFL League year. So it was just great to hear her insight on that. I figured you would say Kenny Galladay. Yeah, so Kenny Galladay, obviously, his name didn't come up, you know, so um, I, I didn't ask about him. I asked Tori about the golf trade and then kind of what the vision is from Campbell and, and Holmes at the top. And her main message, you know, was just that it's a fresh start. Um, you know, it kind of sounded like what Mike Zimmer said uh, eight years ago now when, when he was hired in the, with the Vikings. He, uh, he, wa- he wanted a tough physical football team. That's what Tori said that, that Campbell wants in Detroit. And obviously when the Zimmer got here, the Vikings drafted Teddy and – you know, it's a different scenario, but, you know, in Campbell's first season, the Lions are going to have a new quarterback. So, you know, a new quarterback kind of wanting to put a fresh, you know, spin on the franchise, and, and that's the direction that the Lions are going. A lot of talent has left the division. As Gabe said, Kenny Galladay goes to the New York Giants, the number one wide receiver for the Lions. Matthew Stafford, I am thrilled that he's out of this division. I mean, I've been talking about it for years. I think he's killed us more than Aaron Rodgers in the past five years that I've been here. Uh, The first win at U.S. Bank Stadium, all the times we've had to go there and uh, over to Detroit and play on Thanksgiving Day. Yeah, I'm very happy he is out of the division. And obviously, the Chicago Bears lose Mitch Trubisky, I guess. Probably not of the same caliber as the past two players, but uh, another substantial move that – Uh, of a player that leaves the division. So let's go to Eric's chat with all three team reporters from the NFC North. Let's take a listen. Hey, Vikings fans. I'm team reporter Eric Smith, and I'd like to welcome you to a special NFC North roundtable chat. Free agency is a week old, and the Vikings have made some big moves on defense with the signings of cornerback Patrick Peterson and defensive tackle Dalvin Tomlinson. Minnesota also brought back defensive end Steven Weatherly, plus Chad Beebe and Rashad Hill on offense. But the Vikings division foes have also been busy trying to upgrade their own rosters. So let's take a trip around the NFC North to see what the Lions, Packers, and Bears have been up to this offseason. To do that, let's welcome in Tori Petri of the Detroit Lions, Larry Mayer of the Chicago Bears, and Wes Hodkowitz of the Green Bay Packers. Tori, we'll start with you and perhaps the most eye-opening move that any team made this offseason, and that's the Lions' big-time trade with the Rams. Detroit sent longtime quarterback Matthew Stafford out west while acquiring quarterback Jared Goff and multiple first-round picks. So, Tori, what's the excitement level like in Detroit after that big trade? Yeah, it's kind of the start of a new era here in Detroit. First of all, it's great to be with all three of you guys. It's fun to kind of look around the division and and be reunited since we don't get to see each other at the combine. But yeah, I mean, it was kind of the first of a lot of 
really big moves that happened this offseason. A lot of big names moving around the league and Matthew Stafford and Jared Goff are two of them. So this is kind of a new start for Lions fans because they're kind of coming in here knowing nothing but Matthew Stafford for the last 12 years. So they're really starting things over and, you know, having to uh, kind of look to a new era of Lions football under Dan Campbell and Brad Holmes, those two new hires that the Lions brought in this year. I think that it'll be a little bit different for Lions fans, uh, but we're looking forward to seeing how it plays out. And speaking of new faces, the quarterback, Larry, the Bears also brought in veteran Andy Dalton, who spent the 2020 season with the Cowboys. You know, what does Chicago like about Dalton and what do you kind of envision the role he'll play this season? Well, addressing the quarterback position was the number one priority for the Bears this offseason. And Andy Dalton was a free agent that they had their eyes on. What they like about him is that he's a veteran with a lot of experience, a seasoned pro who's gone to three Pro Bowls, and he took the Cincinnati Bengals to the playoffs in each of his first five seasons, which I don't think it's been repeated by a quarterback. Um, so that's what they like about him. Also, what they like is his familiarity with our offensive coordinator, Bill Lazor. Bill Lazor was a, his position coach and offensive coordinator with the Bengals for a couple years. They had a lot of success together. And uh, in terms of the role, Andy Dalton has been told that he will be the Bears' starting quarterback this season. So unlike last year when Mitchell Trubisky and Nick Foles had a competition during the abbreviated training camp, that's not going to happen this year, and it's going to be Andy Dalton's job. Wes, I know Vikings head coach has a lot of respect for both those quarterbacks that we've talked about, but one player that Minnesota's still going to have to worry about in 2021 who's not new to the NFC North, and that's Packers running back Aaron Jones. Why did Green Bay re-sign him to a multi-year deal, and what does that mean for the Packers offense? Yeah, Eric, I mean, you're talking about the you know most dynamic guy that I think the Packers have had in their backfield, at least during my time uh, on the Packers beat. I mean, he he obviously has always been a really pr- you know productive running back in this league, even going back to his days at UTEP, the, the amount of rushing yards that he put together. But people always question if Aaron Jones could be a three-down back. I think the last two years in Matt LaFleur's system, he's answered those questions. In last year, they really expanded his repertoire. I mean, they started using two-back formations with him or Jamal Williams or A.J. Dillon. They motioned him more. He had more receptions in receiving yards. I think the last two years is their second leading receiver on this team right now. So once free agency began, you understood what the cap constraints were going to be for Green Bay, but there was no doubt about it. They had to find a way to keep Aaron Jones in the fold, and they did that. Now, they did lose Jamal Williams, so the second-round pick from last year, A.J. Dillon, is going to have to step up as that complimentary piece, but You got to take the position out of it. You got to take all that stuff away from it. Aaron Jones is such a pivotal playmaker in this offense with Devontae Adams and some of the other players they have coming back. The Packers feel like they're close and being able to keep Jones in the fold was a big part of putting together that picture for 2021. Tori, let's go back to you for a minute. Earlier you mentioned Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell. Obviously Holmes is the new GM and Campbell is the new head coach. What have you learned about those two over the past two months about what they want their vision of this team to look like? Yeah, I think they want to build a very tough football team here in Detroit. They bring in Anthony Lynn, who was a former head coach over at the Chargers, and we know that he likes to run the football, and I think that that's kind of one of the things that they want to do. I mean, they've got DeAndre Swift, who did a lot of really great things for them last year, despite his injuries. They bring in another guy from the Packers backfield, Jamal Williams. Uh, They signed him to join 
uh, DeAndre Swift in that backfield. So it'll be interesting to see what this offense looks like. But I think as a whole, they want to build a team with grit. We've heard use that word over and over again. Uh, So they're looking for toughness. They want guys who come in and, and work hard, but can have fun doing it, which is a little bit different than, you know, how this team operated before but I think that it's a a fresh start here in Detroit and definitely something that a lot of fans are looking forward to and something that all of the free agents have pointed out as they have signed here is we're looking forward to working with this staff of former coaches because they get it it's so I'm sorry former players it's so many uh, coaches that are former players on this coaching staff and I think that that really adds a different dynamic to this team this year Larry let's go back to you for a second we talked about Andy Dalton earlier and It's no secret that his top option in the passing game is going to be wide receiver Allen Robinson, who was given the franchise tag by Chicago earlier this offseason. Is it safe to say that that Robinson is the Bears' best offensive player right now? I think there's no doubt that he's the best offensive player right now. He's performed that way since he came here uh, from signing uh, in terms of after his career with Jacksonville. He came off a torn ACL, joined the Bears three years ago, and he's performed exceptionally well. This is a guy that routinely puts up a ton of passing, a ton of receiving yards, touchdowns, catches, um, and he's done so without the best, let me just put it this way, without the greatest play at the quarterback position. So if he gets better play out of the quarterback position, and this is a guy that's been the number one threat all along, every team that we play knows that the Bears are going to him and he still excelled. Um, It was a no-brainer for the Bears to put the franchise tag on him, and I'm expecting another huge year from him and what he can do with the offense, and it's going to be interesting to see what happens at the other wide receiver position with the Bears and, and also some of the other spots on offense. You have Cole Komet, the tight end. David Montgomery did a better job of catching the ball out of the backfield. So the Bears are going to have some weapons. And they found a real a real gem in the draft in the fifth round of Darnell Mooney, a speedster from Tulane last year. Wes, I feel bad, man. We're talking about all these moves and, and, the, Bear, and the Packers, excuse me, have kind of just stood pat. Uh, you know, yeah. I guess what's the next step for them? You know, the first wave of free agency is over. We're kind of heading into the second wave now. Any big moves that can be could be on the horizon for Green Bay? Well, it's going to be interesting to see how they can balance, right? The cap situation, they've had to do a lot of restructuring. Uh, they haven't really extended anybody yet. Devontae Adams, I would expect that's probably the next big move for them is, is you know, he's entering the last year, his contract. You can probably actually lower his his cap number for this season if you work something out. So I think that's probably the, the big move there. But figuring out exactly these pieces that they had in terms of like the free agents that potentially could come back, maybe your Mercedes Lewis's obviously the report is out there now that Kevin King is going to be back in the fold. They have 10 draft picks this year for a couple of years here. Unlike the Ted Thompson era, they didn't have any compensatory picks. They let a couple guys walk last year. So they're getting the benefit of that this season. So they, they, there are some big players they lost. You talked about Jamal Williams, a guy that didn't fumble during his four seasons in Green Bay. They lost their all-pro center and Corey Lindsley signing with the Los Angeles Chargers. So they're going to need guys to step up. But I really do think the draft and being able to extend some of these guys currently on the roster, that's going to be the way for them because they feel like they're close. Even though it was a demoralizing end of the season with that loss here at home to Tampa Bay, they look at what happened in the Super Bowl and where this team is positioned and how things, that jump they made in the second year under Matt LaFleur, They feel good that they're not that far away from being the team that they think can bring that next Lombardi trophy back to Green Bay. You mentioned the draft, and we'll close it out with that. You know, the 2021 NFL draft is a little bit over a month away, and every team in the division has a first-round pick. I think that's the first time that's happened in a few years. You know, the Lions are number seven. 
Uh, the Bears are at number 20, and the Packers have the 29th pick, obviously after losing in the NFC title game. So we'll, ju we'll just go with some quick answers on this one. I'll go around to each of you. Uh, just give me a position to watch for in the first round for, for, for your team. So, Tori, we'll start with you. Well, a top 10 pick is always fun. You really can't take any position off the table. I don't think quarterback is out of the conversation, although you do have Jared Goff, so you're not in a rush to take a quarterback. If it's me, I think I'm going defense in that first round, whether it's a playmaking linebacker or defensive lineman. Larry, how about the Bears at number 20? I think if you look at every mock draft, they have us either taking a quarterback or an offensive tackle. So I think that pretty much says a lot. It's going to be difficult, though, because a lot of these pundits are saying that the top five quarterbacks, all the ones that are worthy of first round picks, are all going to be gone by pick 12 or so. So they're, they're expecting the Bears having to trade up in the first round. So we'll have to see what happens there. But it'll be really interesting to see. It seems like it's a really heavy offensive draft this year. So it's going to be exciting. And Wes, how about you at Packers at number 29? Yeah, I think offensive line is probably what makes the most sense for them right now. Not only because they lost Lindsay, but also David Bakhtiari tearing his ACL, four-time All-Pro left tackle for Green Bay. They lost him, and they actually did a pretty good job of being able to fill that spot. But with not having Lindsley and then also kind of having to wait to see what happens with Bakhtiari this offseason, I think they just got to get somebody in the pipeline, whether that is a new center, a guy that can step in at right tackle. They have a great chess piece in Elton Jenkins, who played at all these positions, Pro Bowl guard last year, but he also started for them at center. He filled in at left tackle. So they have some flexibility with how they want to move their offensive line, but I just think they need to add another guy there. Um, in first round, if you look historically, that's been a spot that Green Bay has really liked to use that pick uh, to, to address you know, the starting offensive line. The Vikings, of course, have the 14th overall pick in the draft, and that's, uh, you know they're tied with the Eagles for a league-high 11 overall selections. Thank you to Tori, Wes, and Larry for joining me today and for your great insight. The fun begins next month with the draft, but stay tuned to Vikings.com until then for your latest news and updates. I'm Vikings team reporter Eric Smith, and thanks for watching. Skull. All right, Eric, well, we talked a little bit about the Detroit Lions. I'm going to the team right next door, and that's the Green Bay Packers. Wes Hodkowitz, he is a friend of the show. He's a friend of the program, even though uh, our teams are not too friendly at all. I, I think that a lot of moves that the Green Bay Packers have made, like I haven't seen anything crazy other than the Aaron Jones contract. I'm very happy that center Corey Lindsley uh, signed with the Los Angeles Chargers, so he will no, no longer be under center with Aaron Rodgers on that side of the ball. What really stood out to you from Wes Hodkowitz in this conversation? Yeah, it's kind of what you just touched on in that, you know, every NFL team had to battle a lowered salary cap this year. The cap dropped by almost $16 million from a season ago. And the Packers had to navigate that, you know, closely more than most teams because they were, they were over the cap. So, you know, talking to Wes, he always has great insight. He said, you know, the team has had to restructure some deals to get under the cap. And really the biggest move that they made – you know, keeping someone, and that's Aaron Jones. Everyone else is pretty much left. Uh, you know, Corey Lindsley's gone. Um, you know, his big takeaway was that they're trying to figure out what to do with players that are currently free agents. So maybe they haven't made a decision on them yet, but someone like Mercedes Lewis, the tight end, is he going to be back, and, and where does he kind of fit in? West did say that he feels like the Packers are close, and that's, you know, not a surprise considering they've been the... NFC North champs the last two seasons. They've gone 13-3 and three the last two seasons. They went to the NFC title game a season ago. 
So, yeah, they are close to getting to the Super Bowl. It's just can they kind of keep the core in place and then bring in maybe some extra pieces to get them over the hump and get them playing in February. So what are the chances Jordan loves to start in quarterback next year? You know, we didn't talk about Jordan Love at all, and we didn't talk about Aaron Rodgers. Uh, I think it's pretty safe to assume that Rodgers is is staying there. I mean, an MVP in 2020, he was lights out. Uh, Chris, like you said, you'll be you're happy that Stafford's gone. I'm sure we'll all be glad when when Rodgers is gone at some point too. Recapping some of the moves that were made, uh, cornerback Kevin King is re-signed with the team on a one-year deal. I know uh, Vikings fans are very familiar with Adam Thielen absolutely torching Kevin King, so <laughs> that is not uh, huge news for the team. As we touched on, Aaron Jones comes back on a four-year deal. That's a that's a big-time move for, for the organization. Robert Tanyan, the tight end, who had a really big-time year in the red zone for the team, uh, second-round tendered for one year. And wide receiver Alan Lazard, an exclusive rights tender. Those are kind of the big moves that we have on the outline here. Was there anything else from a roster move standpoint or anything notable that Wes was able to share? Yeah, uh, we talked about the offensive line a little bit, and we, he mentioned that obviously Corey Lindsley signed with the Chargers. But the other area to watch for them is that their all-pro left tackle, David Bakhtiari, suffered a torn uh, ACL, I think, in the final month of the season. So they're kind of just monitor- monitoring him this offseason and kind of seeing where he is, you know, with his rehab and his progress. And, you know, I asked Wes, give me a position to watch for in the first round. And he said offensive line because they have Elkin Jenkins who can then kind of move around, play him in a few a few spots. But with the loss of Lindsley and then kind of Bakhtiari's ACL kind of up in the air, uh, he kind of suspects that offensive line is going to be maybe the top priority for the Packers. That I think they're at pick number 29. And that's part of the reason why I've been so surprised that they haven't done literally anything in free agency besides resign their own. You know, they haven't made any moves. They haven't gone after some of these these better offensive line guys. And I know that cap wise, they're they're like everybody else. They're in precarious position. But the fact that they haven't made any free agent moves and let alone the the Bakhtiari and now the the Lindsley piece, I just it, it surprised me that the Packers haven't done anything so far. You know, it's just the chicken or the egg, right? Do you want to approach it in free agency or do you want to approach it in the draft? And I think at this point, it seems like the Packers are going to do it in the draft. Uh, You could probably put us in the same boat too, right? Like we, other than bringing back Rashad, at this point haven't signed any other offensive linemen. And that leads me to believe that the O-line will be a priority in the first round or especially the first few rounds of, of the draft at the end of April. All right, well, we covered the Green Bay Packers. We covered the Detroit Lions. Let's move over to our old friend, Larry Mayer. Uh, I believe he's been with the Chicago Bears, Eric, for like I don't even know how long, probably longer than you and I have are, are, are in age on this planet. Forever, forever. <laughs> but uh, looking at Chicago, I mean, the biggest thing that stands out to me is obviously Mitch Trubisky signing with the Buffalo Bills. Uh, he's the quarterback who has played a majority of the games in the past couple of years obviously limited to injuries and and things of that nature over the past couple years and never really became what he was expected to become when he was a top five overall draft pick. So what does that mean for the organization for him to finally depart from the team? And Andy Dalton um, has been signed by the team and he was pretty much came out and said that he was going to be the starter going forward with Nick Foles still on the roster. So quarterback carousel to say the least in the NFC North this year. Yeah, it's expected that Dalton's going to start in 2021. I mean, when I talked with Larry, he came out and said it too, you know, that Dalton's been told he's going to be the starter. 
unlike last year when there was a quarterback competition between Trubisky and Nick Foles, there's not going to be any of that this year. So a Dalton team. Uh, the Vikings know Dalton well. Obviously, he played in Cincinnati when Zimmer was there with the Bengals, and the Vikings saw him this last year when he was with the Cowboys, and he beat the Vikings at U.S. Bank Stadium. You know, I know the Dalton signing has generated a lot of buzz around the league, but it's a veteran quarterback. He, he's competent. You know, he maybe he's not going to have the, the highs, but he's, he's probably not going to have the lows either. He's just a, a steady vet, and I think the Bears kind of need that because you know, as we all know, quarterback is, is always a position uh, of focus in Chicago. Um, you know, one thing that Larry did mention that I thought was a good point, that Dalton is really close with Bill Lazor, the Bears offensive coordinator. And he was the offensive coordinator in Cincinnati when when Dalton was there and was also the quarterback's coach. So they have coaches on staff that know Dalton well, and they expect him to come in and play well. And that's kind of been the story with the Bears seemingly forever right like if they could just figure out the quarterback situation they can make a deep run but that's always the position that it seems like they're they're trying to find I mean it it seems like they're going to try to address that in the draft too also right because you know Andy Dalton's an improving year we don't know the Nick Foles situation so I mean maybe they bring in a quarterback develop him unlike Mitchell Trubisky who was required to be a starter right away like is that what the thought process you think is yeah, and I asked Larry that very question. You know, I asked him, okay, t- tell me about the Bears at number 20. What's the focus right there? And he said, you know, pretty much every mock draft has either had a quarterback or an offensive lineman. Certainly, you know, with Dalton being on a one-year deal, there's a, there's still a lot of focus on the quarterbacks. But Larry made a good point as well that are you going to be able to get a first-round talent at quarterback at number 20? Probably not. So if the Bears do want one of the top five quarterbacks, you know, they're probably not going to get Lawrence. But, you know, Wilson, Fields, Mac Jones, Trey Lance, one of those other four guys, they're probably going to have to trade up from number 20 to get it. And do they have the assets to to do so? Um, So, yeah, I mean, you'd think that quarterback is a first round priority, but they're probably going to have to move up to do it. And it might be tough to do it. So, it could be another year of, you know, the, another another year for, for Larry to bang his head on the wall for trying to find that franchise quarterback because, like Corso said, he's been there forever, and he does a great job covering the team, and he's, he's continually searching for that franchise QB. It's unbelievable how the trade on draft night just a few years ago uh, when they were looking to get Mitch Trubisky and move up in the draft, how it has pretty much set them back um, – a decent amount of years now now that they officially went on and moved on to another veteran in Andy Dalton me personally I don't think Andy Dalton has too much left to offer at this point in his career I know he's a, a capable quarterback as you said Eric but I am v- very much happier with them having a quarterback that doesn't have an arc left in his career uh, one that's been around for a long time in Andy Dalton and I mean, as long as they're staying horizontal, as you as you could put it, Eric, I I think it's it's a better situation for the Vikings, especially with that defense. It's still very good. Yeah, the the defense is good, uh, and like we said, it's it's almost like they've been trying to put two and two together for for such a long time. Their defense is always really good. It's just trying to get the offense on the same page, similar to what the Vikings had to try to do a few years ago. You know, they had such a good defense, and they kept trying to find answers on offense. Now it's maybe the, the the script has been flipped 
where now the offense is ahead of the defense and they're trying to get the defense back on track. We've seen that with the signings of Peterson and, and Dalvin Tomlinson. Uh, but overall, it, it was a great chat. I mean, per, I like, you know, personally, I'm friends with, with those three, you know, even though we all work for rival teams. And it was just good to chat with them because we all missed out on seeing each other at the Combine this year. We didn't see each other on the road in 2020. So it was just good to catch up and it kind of brought a little excitement. You know, we, we've been living in such a virtual world for, for so, it feels like so long, you know, a year. And it kind of got me excited for the 2020 season and, you know, have to see how the, the pecking order shakes out. Well, overall, the makeup of the NFC North is definitely going to look different, especially at the quarterback position. So Eric, do you have any final thoughts before we, uh, before we head out of this, this segment here? Yeah, I think you said it. The just having two new quarterbacks in the division is going to bring a lot of buzz to to the North, especially in Detroit. You know, it seems like Stafford had been there forever, and you know he played through injuries. You know, he played through bad teams. He always showed up. He always came through, and it, it, it's just going to be very weird to see a different quarterback. You know, as the full time starter for the Lions, um, the Bears. You know, I think the Bears are kind of trying to figure it out. If they can, I think they can be good. If they can't, they're probably going to continue the cycle they've had for a few decades, it feels like. And the Packers, you know, can not can they stay on top? Because I know the Vikings are, are gunning for them. Um, you know, it's just can the Vikings kind of erase the taste of a, of a disappointing 7-9 and nine season and kind of get on the Packers level where they've been the last two seasons? All right, well, before we let Eric go, we have a new addition to the Minnesota Vikings podcast brought to you by producer... Jay Nelson. It's the higher lower game, which I I literally have no idea what it is. I have no idea what questions are going to be asked because Jay has has them all tied up. He hasn't put them on the outline. We're not able to see them. Gabe can't see him. Eric can't see him. I can't see him. So Jay. Jay's keeping secrets. If there's one thing I'm good at, it's definitely keeping secrets. So yeah, here we go. No, I know. I, I know. Years ago, we had we had played somewhat a higher, lower version or or over under type uh, game in the past, and so I figured I'd dust it off the shelves here and uh, see if we could do a little free agency to see uh, how everybody's been paying attention to what's been going on here. So um, basically, the answer is I'm going to give you a number, almost like a, a middle number, and you have to tell me is it higher or lower from what the question is. So the first one that I pulled here, all this information I pulled. Uh, was from sporttrack.com. They tend to to do a good job on keeping up on stuff, especially daily, but we all know that information changes daily. So if uh, you go through and start digging through some of the stuff and it looks a little different, it's probably because it literally changes minute by minute. So um, the first question that I have for everybody here is related to the number of wide receivers who have changed teams in free agency Ooh. so far. So has the number of wide receiver who have changed their teams this offseason, is it higher or lower than 20 wide receivers? Lower. Gabe says lower. I'm going higher. Eric, uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go lower. The answer is actually higher. There have been 26 wide receivers who have signed with new teams this wow. year. That does not count re-signing with your current team. Of the 26 wide receivers that have signed in free agency, 17 of those 26 have signed with the AFC. So there's been a lot wow. of wide receiver talent that's been flowing over to the AFC during this free agency period. All right. Question number two. Uh, earlier this offseason, there was a lot of discussion. You could potentially see up to 18 quarterbacks move or sign with different teams. How many quarterbacks have moved so far? So it has the amount of quarterbacks who have signed elsewhere with another team. Is it higher or lower than 10? I'm going to go lower. 
Are you including retirements in here? No, this is signed with another team, so you have to sign with another team. Oh, man. Lower. I'm still going lower. Gabe's Gabe's waffling here. He goes back to lower. I'm going to go lower as well. Okay, Corso? I'm going to have to agree with the crew here. I'll go lower. All right, everybody's going lower. You are correct. Eight quarterbacks have signed with new clubs this year. Wow. Andy Dalton to Chicago. Ryan Fitzpatrick to Washington. Jacoby Brissett to Miami, Mitch Trubisky to Buffalo, Tim Boyle to Detroit, Mike Glennon to the Giants, Joe Flacco to Philly, and Tyrod Taylor to Houston. Question number three. There have been some high-profile offensive linemen who have signed big money deals this offseason, including guards Joe Thune in Kansas City and then tackle Trent Williams signing with the 49ers. Which O-line position group has had more people signed so far? It's, this is going to be between the guards and the tackles. We're going to leave out the centers, and we'll talk about them after. So there have been 10 guards so f- signed so far to a different team in free agency. Is the number of offensive tackles higher or lower than 10? I think it's higher. Okay. Eric's is higher. I'm thinking right now. I'm, go- I'm going <laughs> to go lower because I believe the tackle position is just one that, I don't know, I, believe, I, I think you kind of want to – Stick with your guys this this off season. I'd say I'd say lower. I'm I'm kind of leaning towards Corso. That's that's such a unique position, the most important position on the offensive side of the ball outside of the quarterback. So, yeah, I'm going lower. The answer is higher. Whoa, there have wow. been 12 offensive tackles have been signed so far. So that other position there at center, there's actually been eight centers signed elsewhere, including Corey Lindsley, who went to the Chargers on a 62.5 million dollar deal. Wow. All right, so now we get into salary cap coverage. <laughs> we got three questions for salary cap. Let's do it. Um, so, so the numbers that I'm using here are the top 51 salary cap. That's the rule where it only counts against the, your top 51 contracts, basically from the league new year until week one of the season. And then everything else kicks in after you cut down your roster. So this is using the rule of 51 salary cap figures. So across 32 teams across the league, is the average available salary cap space higher or lower than $10 million? So the average current available salary cap space, is it higher or lower than $10 million? I'll go first on this one. Okay. Uh, I think it's higher. I, I, I'm i going to put myself out there. I did some research on that this morning, and I think it's 13. So I'm, I'm going to like actually guess what it is. I think it's around 13. So that, that that's okay. gonna be, it's going to be higher for me. If you were smart, okay. you would have let us both answer lower. Because <laughs> I was going to say lower, but now I'm going higher. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Trying to help you guys out. Yeah. I'll, like, I'm just looking at some of those teams, like um, like the Panthers, Washington, and, and a few other teams. Like, they, they still have an excess of cap space left. So I'm, I'm going to go higher also. Eric, you were close, but the number that I had as of uh, late, late, late last night was fourteen point one three nine million. Okay, that's close was enough. Was the average cap number? So they actually the cap number is higher. That's the average number across the league of what is available for cap, cap space. Wow. So, is the number of teams that have more than fourteen point one three nine million dollars in positive cap space higher or lower? than the teams below the average positive space. So basically, of all the teams that actually have money, is the number higher or lower above that $14.139 million in cap space? Uh, I'm going lower. You're saying there's there's more teams that have less than that available? Yeah, I think there's more teams that have less than that. I mean, we see all these teams trying to squeeze in these deals. So 
I'm also going to go lower. I think, as Gabe mentioned, there's a few teams that just have a lot of cap space, and that kind of brings the average up. But most teams, like the Vikings, are probably under that that $14 million figure. Okay. Carson? I agree with the crowd here. I'm going lower just because of all the work that we've done to find out uh, that it's like literally so much lower than they expected. Uh, I believe it is lower as well. So of the total amount of teams that are in the league yep. with cap space – there are more teams below that 14.139, but of teams with a positive cap space number, it's actually 14 teams oh, wow. higher and 13 teams lower. So it's wow. right on that bubble wow. for the positive teams there. That, that's so a it's trick. kind of a gotcha question, but I figured yeah. I'd throw question. it out there. <laughs> you, you, you're welcome. Um, so the 14 teams that are listed higher above that number have more than 14.6 million available. Of the 13 teams below it, it's 14.126 and less underneath there. Um, the Colts have the most positive cap space available currently at $43 million. Jeez. And the Cardinals are 27th and they have $1.368 million available. So that is the range of teams currently that have salary cap space available. All right, last question, and we're going to stick here on this final salary cap question. Of the five teams currently below $0 available in positive cap space, a.k.a. in the red, is the number of teams in those five who made the playoffs in 2020 slash 2021 higher or lower than two. So there's five teams available. Are there more teams or less teams than two who actually made the playoffs? Well, I know the saints are one that's still in the red. Um, oh man, I'm going higher. I was going to, I'm saying higher as well. Yep. I'll round it out. All three of us. I'll go higher. Higher across the board. Of those five teams that are below in the red, the Saints at 1.45 million below, the Bears at 2.3 million below, the Bills at 3.4 million below, mm. the Rams at 5.218 million below, and then the Eagles at minus 5 million. You have four out of those five teams that are currently salary cap in the red all made the playoffs last year. So it's going to get interesting for some of these squads to to really help fill out the rest of their rosters. Um, I'm going to be curious to see what kind of moves they have mm. to make to, to have to cut some salary or to restructure some players in order to make sure not only that they can sign the rest of their players, but also sign the draft picks coming up here with some of these teams having double digit draft picks available. So it'll be interesting to see how, how some more of this stuff shakes out and just how many moves have to be made across the league when it comes to the salary cap. So that's the higher lower game this week. Thank you guys for playing (laughs) and uh, hopefully we'll do it again in the future. That was fun. All right. Well, thanks again to Jay for a new segment. I I think we're going to have to do that more often on the show, the higher and lower game. I know we used to do the under overs back in the day, so that's very similar. And I love the conversation and amount of things that we've all learned from that. I mean, it's unbelievable what is going on with the salary cap this year and how many teams are in just absolutely awful situations when it comes to being in the positive, negative, and being literally under $10 million in salary cap space just a week into free agency. It is insane what has happened uh, in the league this offseason. And that'll also do it for the entire show. Um, an awesome 85th show of the Minnesota Vikings podcast. We covered a ton from free agency to Eric's chat with the NFC North roundtable with all the team reporters. So we're going to wrap this thing up. But before we go, Gabe, do you have any final thoughts to share with the Vikings fans uh, heading into this weekend? 
as of Thursday, March 25th, we are five, exactly five weeks away from day one of the NFL draft. Um, free agency, I know there will be a few more moves made around free agency, but I don't think there will be many big splashes. Um, so the next big thing is uh, the draft. So I'm excited about that. I'm sure Vikings fans are excited about it. We'll have a lot of content coming on uh, Vikings.com um, regarding some of those uh, draft prospects. So so stay tuned. I'm looking forward to it. Jake? Yeah, in a similar vein, we all know the Vikings have double-digit draft picks this year once again. We all know what kind of a, a, a flurry that that turned into for everybody, especially on day three. Um, you know, we're all trying to, to get ready here for what the draft coverage is going to be. We were already starting to put out some of these videos, the position breakdowns that are going to be coming with some of your, your favorite special guests and, and Pete Bursich, Ben Lieber, Ron Johnson, and more. And so uh, stay tuned for that. And then on top of that, just remember uh, draft night at the end of every draft night, we'll have our recaps here with the Minnesota Vikings podcast, and we'll be able to get you up to speed on what happened during that day and kind of what to look forward to the following day during the draft. We always love this time of year, and uh, this year is no exception. It's going to be fun to see what other kind of puzzle pieces we can fit in here and get this thing righted the right direction in 2021. That is for sure. I know I'm excited. The amount of additions that the Vikings were able to make through it just the first week of free agency was unbelievable. And when you look forward to a draft where we know Rick Spielman loves to add five plus picks through trades and we're able to stay up till 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock a.m. and talk about all of the things that happened, uh, we will do that just like we did last year. We will do that this year. It's always fun to be able to do that alongside the two of you. So thank you guys for listening to episode number 85 of the Minnesota Vikings podcast. Before we go, I forgot we have to do some promotions for our website and all the content that's being churned out this time of year. So we're starting off with a Vikings Vantage show, which I am really excited. We got a spot on KFAN at 6.30 p.m. tonight. Right before the Minnesota Wild game, you'll, you'll hear Gabe and myself. Um, we're joined by NFL insider Adam Kaplan, who has all the insight um, from a decades-long relationship with Rick Spielman and Rob Brzezinski and Mike Zimmer. This guy's been covering the league for a really long time. He has all the insight on the Vikings' free agency moves, as well as sharing his opinion on who we will take at number 14 in the draft. So you can catch that tonight, Thursday night, on KFAN at 6.30 p.m. before the Wild game. And also, as always, check out Lindsey Young's Getting Open series uh, again this week. Rather than talking to a player, she went into the Vikings front office and talked to two leaders, Viking COO Andrew Miller and General Manager Rick Spielman, who shared their thoughts on dealing with the topic of mental illness. Obviously, this is something that affects you if you're a player, if you're a front office, if you're a human being, wherever um, people are going through challenges in their lives. It was really, really important for Andrew Miller and Rick Spielman to get involved in this series. So definitely go check that out. I believe there's a podcast on this very channel. There is also a long-form article on Vikings.com that Lindsay was able to put together, uh, really good imagery and things like that as well. So go check that out. And 
obviously stay tuned to the Vikings social media platforms, the Vikings app. We have it all covered from podcasts to pending free agency moves, the Vikings free agent tracker on vikings.com. I personally help Eric update that on the website. That has all the moves that are going on throughout free agency. So thank you again for joining us on the Minnesota Vikings podcast. We will see you next week.